Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of, of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you would say, who touched me? Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Verse 34, and he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Familiar passage of scripture and a story that many of us may have heard or, 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 or have heard about or even read. And in the New Testament, this account is told three different times. But specifically, I want to use Mark's account this morning to draw our attention to some factors concerning faith. If you're taking notes, I wanted to call this or if you want to put a subject or a title, I want to call it faith that grabs God's attention. Or attention grabbing faith. The Bible talks about faith in several different ways. Mark 4 tells us in Mark chapter 4 verse 40 it talks about no faith. Mark chapter 8 26 it talks about little faith. Mark 8 10 great faith. Romans 4 19 weak faith. Romans 4 20 strong faith. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith is the foundation of Christianity. It's how you get into the kingdom. It's how you get your prayers answered. It's what gets you through the storms of life. And if you're going to complete your assignment, your destiny, and what God has sent for you to do here on this earth, it's going to require faith. Without faith, we're limited to the resources of this natural world. The U.S. trade dollars. Europe trades euros. But when it comes to the kingdom of God... Faith is heaven's currency. And if you're going to do business with God, it's going to require that you operate and have faith. Faith is focus. Faith's focus is always rooted in three words, always rooted in three words. And those three words are this. God is able. Say that with me this morning. God is able. Say it again. God is able. One more time. God is 
able. Face focus is always rooted in these three words. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm up against, our God is able. The Bible was very clear when it comes to God's ability. It was God that was able, the scripture said, to speak a universe out of nothing and create something. It was God that was able to take the dust of the ground, breathe his breath in it, and make a man in his own image. God is able to put a shepherd's staff in the hand of a man named Moses and bring Egypt to his knees. God was able to take five fish and two loaves and feed the multitude. God God was able to take a jawbone of a donkey and put it in the hand of a man named Samson and slay 1,000 Philistines. God was able to take some flour and oil, of jo- and oil, a jar of oil, the scripture said, and be able to provide right in the midst of a famine. God was able to take the, a cloud the size of a man's hand, the scripture said, and end a drought. Ephesians puts it like this and uh, brings it to a sum total. Now under to him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works within us. Can I explain that to you? In other words, God likes to exceed himself. I want you to think about the biggest breakthrough that you've had, the biggest blessing that you've had, the greatest door that has opened, the most awesome miracle that you've experienced, the best opportunity or favor that has come on your life and God says I can even exceed that I'm able to do greater in any area of your life do you believe that God has more for your life do you believe that you have not seen your best days yet do you believe that God is not work done working for you and through you and on you and by you I believe that we serve a God that constantly and consistently wants to do more for his people But the question is, will we believe him for more? Do we dare to believe him to do things we've never seen, to do things we've never heard, to go places we've never gone? Come on, to do things that we never thought we could do. We serve the God that says, I am able. I don't care what your bank account looks like. He's able. I don't care what the doctor's report said. He's able. I don't care if everybody else is getting laid off. He is able. I know there may be trouble in the home, but he's able. The children aren't saved yet, but he's able. I serve a God that is able. Does anybody believe that this morning in this service, he is able to turn some things around? I believe that you don't have to leave here the same way that you came. I believe he's able to heal you this morning. He's able to deliver you this morning. He's able to save you and set you free this morning. He is able right here, right now, in this moment. If you believe it, give him a shout of praise. He is able. Above everything that we are and everything that we can do, God prizes faith. Luke 18 and 8 says, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith in the earth? 
He's looking constantly and consistently for faith. In the book of Matthew, the Bible said in the book of Matthew 21, the scripture said that Jesus was walking with the disciples and he came upon a, a fig tree. The scripture said and for afar off, the Bible said that it had leaves and it looked promising. It looked like it supposed or, or should have fruit on it. The scripture said, matter of fact, it was twice a year. It was in the fall or autumn of the year and early spring that these particular trees would produce figs or fruit. And during this time that Jesus came upon the scripture said from afar off, it just have leaves. But when he got up close to it, the Bible said there was no fruit or fig on the tree. Isn't it amazing that things at a distance look different from things when you get up close? Sometimes what you can't go by what you see from afar off because you can be deceived with the look. And it's only when you begin to get close to things that you can see it for what it really is. But what I want you to see about this particular text is this. When Jesus sees this tree, the Bible said he does something uh, in this account. The Bible said because there was no figs on the tree that he cursed the tree. And immediately in this account, he goes from cursing the tree and talking about the, the tree having no figs. And then let's look at our text. Notice what he said. He said, let no fruit grow on you anymore. And immediately the fig tree withered away. But watch this. And the next verse says, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled. How did the fig tree wither away so soon? Notice it was a quick work that took place. But then look at the next text. And Jesus answered him and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what this has, what, what has done, been done to the fig tree, but you shall also say to this mountain, come on, we just talked about it, be removed and be cast into the sea and it will be done. My mind, I was thinking, I said, how do we go from talking about figs on trees to immediately jumping and having faith. But as I begin to look at it, I believe the Holy Spirit highlighted something to me because notice Jesus said that the reason why this thing is withering because it was no fig. But then he says, have faith in God. I want them to put this slide up because I want you to see something. Notice if you write out the word fig, he says, have faith in God. And could it be that the reason why Jesus got upset when he came to the tree, he was looking for figs or he was looking for faith in God. And where there's no faith in God, things have a tendency to wither up. And my question to you this morning, if he were to come to the tree of your life, would he find figs this morning? Would he find faith in God? Could it be that Jesus is tired of religious looks going through the motions and going through the protocols and going through routine that looks powerful, that sounds powerful, but it's not really powerful. For he is sick of the looks when he comes to the house of God. He's hungry for figs. He's hungry for a people that will have faith in him. Not in their gifting, not in their ability, not in their talent, not in their expertise, not in their strength. But he's looking for figs. Faith in God. People that will trust me. People that will believe me. People will put.
put their hope in me. People that, I, that will believe that I still move mountains. I still do miracles. I still be, bring breakthroughs. Is there anybody in here this morning? I'm wondering, do you have any figs on your tree? Do you have any faith in God concerning the situation that you're facing? He said, I'm hungry for faith in God. I'm hungry for a church to believe me to do what's never been done. I'm hungry for a church that will take ground and set captives free and advance the kingdom of God. I'm hungry for a church that won't settle for what has been, but to believe that I can blaze a new trail. I'm hungry for a church, and I'm not talking about brick and mortar. I'm talking about those bodies on the seat because you are the church of God on location, and God is saying, I'm hungry for faith. Bible says in our text that this particular woman whose testimony of faith was worthwhile being documented in the scripture. Three different accounts talked about her story. And the Bible said that when Jesus comes in Mark chapter 5, I love the text. It says that there was a certain woman. Did you catch that? A certain woman did not have give her a name. Did not give her any identity, but a certain woman. But I'm always amazed at the fact, and including myself, that when we talk about this woman, what we say is the woman with an issue of blood. In other words, we define her by her issue. Notice that God did not say the woman with an issue of blood. He said a certain woman. In other words, too many times we often redefine or begin to define ourselves by the circumstances we're in. We begin to allow our past to define us, our struggle to define us, and what we're going through to define us. But I want to tell you something this morning. Just because you may have done it don't mean you are it. Just because you went through it doesn't mean you are it. Quit allowing yourself and other people and the enemy to re try to redefine who you are. You are who God says you are and you can do what God says you can do. You are not defined by your past. You are not defined by your mistakes. You are not defined by your mess ups. You are not defined by your dysfunction. If you are a child of God, you got to understand your condition does not change your position. I am in Christ. In Christ, I'm significant. In Christ, I'm secure. In Christ, I am sufficient. Just because my condition changed, it doesn't mean my position changed. And I might be here right now, but this is not my permanent place because thanks be unto God and faith in God, I will get out of this. I will get beyond it. What have you allowed to define you this morning? What lie have you have agreed with from the enemy that says you're this in your life or what you can't do or where you can't go or what you can't accomplish your identity is not found in the opinions of others your identity is found in Jesus Christ the Bible said for 12 long years did you catch that she had suffered from a flow of issues of blood informing us very specifically of how long 
Two things you got to understand, two reasons. Because we're tempted to give up on situations that has not changed for many years. I don't know. It's been one year. It's been two years. It's been three years. Nothing has changed. Seemingly everything is the same way. I'm still doing all I know to do. I'm still praying and I'm still fasting, but nothing has seemingly changed. By now, I figured it would turn around. By now, I figured it would be different. By now, I thought I would be married. By now, I thought the business would have taken off. By now, I thought I would be, but I'm in the same same situations. And when things have a tendency to remain the same for a while, we're tempted to give up and throw in the towel and settle for less than God's best because that's what we've seen for so long but what the scripture teaches us is that God wants us to know that it doesn't matter how long you've been in a situation or facing a situation when God gets involved things can change I'm gonna say it again I don't care how long I don't care how big when God gets involved things can change God is the game changer he can cure the uncurable he can change the unchangeable there is no situation or circumstance that is hopeless when God gets involved I just want to go ahead and declare know that marriage is not hopeless those children are not hopeless your career is not hopeless your business is not hopeless your family is not hopeless you are not hopeless your mental health is not hopeless when God gets involved he's the hope giver he's the repair of the breach he's the strengthener he's the helper he's the protector he's the comforter I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning but Somebody came in here feeling like nothing's going to change in your family. But I'm here to declare you just stepped into a house that believes in the game changer. Our God is always clutch. He's always on time. Even if it's down to the final seconds of your situation, he knows how to hit the right shot to win the game on your behalf. Does anybody believe that God is able to change the game? He's a game changer. I don't care how long. Stubborn situations. Situations and circumstances. Seem like they won't move. But God says. That God is more than adequate. For any situation. The Bible said that she had been suffering. From this flow of issue of blood. Notice the issue of blood. Fountain of blood, one one translation said, hemorrhaging from the inside, bleeding. Imagine what it was like. Imagine a constant flow of blood. She's exasperated. She's pale. She's weak. No energy. I mean, just imagine taking everything every morning to probably just get out of the bed because of the constant flow. Watch this. Of issues draining her. It's draining her joy and draining her peace and draining her, her strength and draining her emotionally, draining her physically. And see, I want you to understand that 
When I talk about a flow in our Western culture mentality, we would just discreetly uh, refer to this as a female problem or condition. Uh, because, but, but, but you got to understand, this was a Jewish woman. And the cultural things were totally different. What do you mean? With this flux or flow, you have to understand that sexually, she could not be touched by her husband. Maternally, she could not have children. Domestically, she was ostracized and whatever she touched was considered unclean. Spiritually, she could not go into the temple. Physically, she was exalted, exhausted. And lastly, financially, she was broke. Every area of our life, these issues represent issues that all of us can face in life. In every area of life, maybe you don't have a flow of blood this morning, but what is your issue? What is the thing that's draining you this morning? What's the thing that's keeping you up at night? What's the thing that's just just riding on your thoughts and emotions, tormenting your mind? What's the thing that keeps taking your joy and robbing you of your peace what's the thing that keeps holding you and bondage and keeping you from stepping in to what God has what's the issues notice it was hemorrhaging in other words it was coming from the inside internal issues issues of the heart emotional issues emotion anxiety and fear issues of resentment issues of bitterness issues 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 draining what's draining you of life this morning and what I want to tell you is this right here you have to understand when it comes to issues the Bible said watch this that 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 she went to physicians did you catch this it said she went to the physicians watch this but got worse and had suffered many things from the the physicians wait a minute I'm suffering from my flow. How could I be suffering from the doctor? The ones that's supposed to know how to fix me. The ones that supposed to know how to prescribe what I need. But the Bible said she suffered things from the physician. What you have to understand if you study this out, that under the Talmud of the old covenant, the physicians of her time, watch this, had 11 different remedies which were rituals or potions that were designed to treat women with a flow. They were rituals and potions. Some of them were certain things that you had to mix up and drink. Some involved certain types of wine that you drink. I remember I was studying one and it said she had to find a place where two ways meet and stand on it and hold a cup and drink. And if that doesn't work, On to the next one. One of them actually said that you have to come up behind her and scare her. What if my issue is already fear? But count it not strange that it said it was 11 rituals. 11. But the Bible said she had been suffering for 12 years. Imagine if she had a remedy for, for one remedy for, one, for a year, for 11 years. In other words, after 11 times that the doctor had, oh my God, 11 times, but now she's in her 12th year. In other words, she's short one remedy. What am I going to do now? 
You know what that represents? Religion and rituals will always come up short when it comes to healing you. Religion and rituals will come up short when it comes to making you whole. But it was in the 12th year that she touched Jesus because he's always more than enough. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. You feel like you ran out of options. You feel like you don't have no place to go. Could it be that this morning, this is your 12th year moment that you're going to touch the hem of his garment and be made whole? If you believe it, give Jesus a shout of praise. Mm. What got me about that is the Bible says she was worse when she talked to the physicians. In other words, they didn't know how to adequately, adequately handle her issues. Be careful who you let treat your issues. Who are you allowing to treat your issues? Could it be that what you think is a treat is actually a trick? You think they're treating you, but actually they're robbing you. Everybody can't treat your issues. You can't talk to everybody about everything. All counsel is not good counsel, but there is a wonderful counselor, and his name is Jesus. What's treating your issues? Is there a bottle treating your issues? Is there a pill treating your issues? Oh, is there another relationship that you found yourself in trying to treat your issues? Your issues are just invitations for God's intervention. Your issues are invitations for God to get involved in your situation. But it requires that we live the hot life. You know what the hot life is? H-O-T. Honest, open, and transparent. See that woman with the issue of blood? She said, look, I've been like this for a long time. I ain't got nothing to lose. Matter of fact, I done lost everything. I've lost family. I've lost friends. I've lost I've lost, I've lost family, friend, I've lost money. Matter of fact, she probably said, I even lost a whole lot of weight. I've got nothing else to lose. So I'm going to give it all I got and get honest, open, and transparent. And when you do, it becomes an invitation for God to intervene in the issues in your life. And I promise you, he knows what you need. I promise you, he can fix it. I promise you, he can turn it around on a dying. Notice the scripture said issues. Issues. So what did she do? She got desperate. And the Bible says that there are three things that she did which I'm going to give you quickly. What triggered this desperation? What triggered this type of faith? The Bible said this that when she, watch this, when she heard about Jesus. Uh, it's important what you hear. The Bible says take heed how you hear and to take heed what you hear. Because up until this point, all she had been hearing was the negative report. All she had been hearing was the naysayers. All she had been hearing is how bad it is and how, and, and how worse things and th how worse things are getting. Bad news after bad news after bad news. But I don't know how she heard about Jesus. Maybe somebody came running by that just got healed. 
Maybe she encountered the demonic act that a few chapters or a few verses before her had been set free from a legion of demons, came down her way, jumping and rejoicing and shouting. And she looked up and said, wait a minute. Uh, listen, I remember him. He wasn't the one that we can tame. He was, he was the one that was crazy. He was the one that we sent off into back, back in my eighth year of my flood or my flow. I remember him. How is it that he's not messed up like he used to be messed up? What did he get a hold to? And maybe when he's running by, he looked at her and said his name is Jesus I don't know how she heard but all I know is she heard and why is that important to faith because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God faith starts where the will of God is known you got to get in this book and hear what he's saying what is he saying about your situation what is he saying about your circumstance faith doesn't come from feelings faith doesn't come from emotions faith doesn't come from pity faith doesn't come from tears faith comes from the word of God don't expect to walk in faith faith if I don't get the fuel for faith and the fuel for faith is the word of God and the Bible said that watch this when she heard she heard I heard and then the Bible said she started talking number two the Bible says she said if I could touch but the hem of his garment I will be made whole she said if you study it in its original translation it's actually repetitive she was like this if I can just touch him if I can just touch him if I can just touch his clothes if I can just touch his clothes if I can touch it I'll be made whole if I can just touch him I'll be made whole I love the fact that she took ownership of her situation she said if I she didn't say if they too many of us are waiting on they too many of us are wanting people to come to us and don't do anything for our own selves. Too many, uh -oh, oh, I'm jumping into something now. But she said, no, 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 no. I've did that enough. I depended on folk long enough. I have got to take control of this myself. I got to take control of my life right now. I'm not going to make any more excuses. I'm not going to have a pity party. I'm not going to get through a fit, but I'm going to take control right now. She said, if I could touch, why is it important that she said it? Because understand, as she began to speak what he said, she began to see what he said. Your speaking helps you to start seeing. Oh my God. When you start speaking what God said, it begins to produce visions for you. You see, that's why you can't walk in victory. You can't walk in victory and talk defeat. Many times Joshua told the patriarchs of old, he said, see, I've given you this. See, I've given you that. See, I've given. They wasn't even in it yet, but he wanted them to get a picture of it in their mind. And when you start speaking, when she starts speaking, she saw herself touching him. When she starts speaking, she saw herself moving. And I want to declare to somebody this morning, you've been silent about your situation long enough. The enemy has shut your mouth 
out long enough. You've been pouting long enough. You've been laying down long enough. It's time for you to get your voice back and start declaring and start decreeing what thus saith the Lord over that marriage, over those children, over your body. Come on, we're not the silence of the lamb. The Bible said, let the weak say that I'm strong. We got to start talking faith again. Not doubt, not unbelief, not talking what the world talks, but saying what God says because you got to see it. Come on, somebody. You got to see it. I know you're in an apartment, but you got to see yourself in that house. I know you don't have a car yet, but you got to see yourself driving one. I know you're still trying to figure out where the college tuition money is coming from. See yourself walking across campus. I dare you. See your marriage whole. See your children saved. See that bank account go from negative to positive. You got to see it because if you see it, you can seize it. If you see it, you can have it. If you see it, you can give it. Without vision, the people perish. But in Jesus' name, you shall see it. Give Jesus a shout of praise. She, you said, well, Javon, wait a minute. Uh, I've been, I've been hearing and I've been speaking and I've been saying, but nothing's not changing. It ain't working. Oh, it's working. It may not be working on your time. It may not be working according to your schedule. I serve a God that says I'm an author and finisher of my faith. If I start it, I'll complete it. The work that he begins in me, he performs and complete. My God is a finisher. Almost, see, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 23, here's a word for somebody. You said, does it really matter what I say, Javon? Should I keep declaring God's goodness? Should I keep speaking life? Absolutely. Because listen to what this word says. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Watch this. Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Faithful is he, it says in another place, that promise for he shall fulfill it. Now, what does that mean? When it says hold fast to your profession of faith or your confession of faith, it means I don't lose my confession. And confession is not me being like a, like a little uh, spiritual parrot repeating everything that I hear someone say. Because it's not a magic trick. Let me just help you out with that. When it says confession, it's the type of confession that comes from a conviction that's come out of a revelation from my relationship with God. It's when the word goes from, watch this, logos to rhema in my spirit. It goes from written word to spoken word. And when it becomes a spoken word in my heart it becomes a conviction and when it becomes a conviction it comes out of my mouth in confession that's where power is released and he said hold fast to that word what does that mean hold fast it means it means in the original translation to suppress to hold down watch this to put a lid on it to embrace it with everything that you got, refusing to let it go and refusing to allow anyone to take it. I'm holding on to this and I'm not going to let you go like Jacob till you bless me. I'm holding on with everything that I am 
Come hell or high water, I'm holding on. That's what they say in the South. You might not get it in California. Country saying, I'm holding on. If I could paint a picture, it's this. It's a stingy type holding on. You know, little kids, um, and my, I, would, I was going to say my kids did it when they were little. No, they still do it now. So I'm just going to say my kids. But you know, sharing for, for children, little kids, is not creative behavior. It's learned behavior. They have to be less share, teaching to share. Why? Have you ever seen the little ones when they get a toy and they grab it and they snatch it? And when the other kid goes to reach, they snatch it. And they look at them. Now, now, granted, they're only two feet tall. But they look at the other kid like they short. And they say, that's mine. Can't even talk good yet. That's mine. And they pull it. That's mine. Y'all, you're not laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. They're doing it downstairs in Discovery right now. That's my tug of war battles right now. That's mine. And then, and, then, and then they'll get it. And then they'll turn. Look over their shoulder at you. And then when they really get about it, they start walking away. Because they want to make sure that you're not getting what's mine. Then they'll get to. Or find a wall. Then they'll lean up against the wall. Or depending on how big it is, they'll sit down on it. And depending on how sassy they are, they... they get that from their mom or daddy. One of them, I don't know. And they say, this is mine. You can't have it. Well, this is the picture that this scripture is painting. No wonder the Bible said we should have childlike faith. Because when God gives you a promise, you've got to embrace it. You've got to suppress it. You've got to put a lid on it. You got to hold it with everything that you got. You got to hold it tight and don't let it go and don't let anything take it from you. And if you have to, you got to back yourself up against the wall and sit down on that promise. Look over your shoulder to the devil and tell him, that's mine. That's my promise. That's my blessing. That's my breakthrough. That's my miracle. That's my children. They don't belong to drugs. They don't belong to alcohol. That is mine. That business is mine. That career is mine. That, come on, those finances are mine. I don't know who I'm talking to. Some of you need to get an attitude in the spirit and go up to the gates of hell and snatch some stuff back and say that is mine that peace is mine that joy is mine that hope is mine that help is mine that is mine it doesn't belong to you it doesn't belong to you it belongs to me I need somebody to shout that's mine that's mine that's mine that's mine my healing my deliverance, my salvation, my breakthrough, my marriage, my children, my church, my career, that is mine. Give the Lord a shout of praise.
I'm all in. I'm out of time. But I don't always share this stuff openly. But this week, and I'm careful how I had one of the most demonic encounters in my sleep. It's a vision, it's vivid. And I had fallen asleep and was resting. And when I went to turn on my side and grab one of the pillows that was on my bed, I grabbed it and pulled it up against me. And I was, as I was holding it, I went to lay on it. But the moment I leaned on it, the pillow flipped me over. And I was on my back. And all of a sudden, pillows, boom, 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 just start piling, piling, piling. This is how vivid it was. And what got me was, it was not over my body, it was over my head. And over my mouth. All, they were just all stacked on top of my head. And, and all I could say, it actually sounded like this. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And even though it sounded all muffled. But oh, the blood of Jesus. If you got faith in the blood of Jesus. And as I confess the blood of Jesus. All the pillars start popping off and breaking off. And I stood up in the bed. And I, I was breathing. And I said, what in the world? What is that? And the Holy Spirit, he said, bind spirits of suppression and oppression. And it made sense on my head to suppress my voice, suppress my eyes, my vision, suppress my mind and emotions. But I remember getting up in that bed and I said, devil, you are a liar. I said, I bind every spirit. You better believe this thing is real. I bind every spirit that is trying to shut me down. I bind every spirit that is trying to shut my voice down, trying to shut my vision down, trying to shut my dream down. I bind it, and this is where this point comes. I said, devil, that's mine. That's my calling. That's my dream. That's my vision. That's my purpose. And you can't have it that is mine the days are over for being silent this thing is real hell is real and we can't play these patty cake games church games you gotta have faith in this word faith in the blood faith in the holy ghost faith in the anointing of god when hell comes against your home and family you're gonna need more than an outfit you're gonna need a word from god and an anointing from the holy one to rebuke that thing and oh my god does anybody still believe in the blood of jesus so right now if you say I've got some stubborn issues that I'm tired of dealing with it's been a long time 
It's been lingering long enough. But this morning, I'm not leaving till I touch the hem of his garment. I'm believing that this is my 12th year. All the other remedies and rituals I tried have left me short. But I wonder, is there any fig in this room this morning that says that when I get out of my seat, I'm going to press through the crowd like that woman did. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's talking. I don't care who's grinning, who's texting, who's direct messaging. I can't deal with these issues no more. I need supernatural help. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to press through the crowd. And I want you to get... Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.